Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone, and thank you for being with us again today. At this hour, there are so many reasons why Brooklyn is the bomb right now. From established neighborhoods like Brooklyn Heights and Park Slope to newer areas that are ever-changing, Crown Heights, Bed-Stuy and Bushwick, what is happening there? We have two Brooklyn experts today, and we will break this down. This is all about Brooklyn. Also at this hour, for serious apartment shoppers in both Manhattan or Brooklyn, open houses can be an in- as intense as a sports competition. There are only so many homes on the market at specific price ranges, and there are an abundance of buyers to compete with. But first, I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate on this wonderful Tuesday morning here in New York City. In the news this morning, last October, news anchor Katie Couric decided to put her longtime Carnegie Hill Upper East Side apartment on the market, and it's now in contract. We reported this a couple of months ago. Initially listed for $8.25 million, the Park Avenue apartment took a price drop to $7.995 million before entering contract on February 22nd. We have not been able to confirm what the apartment sold for. With her grown kids and her new life with husband John Molnar in full swing, Couric and Molnar bought a slick new Upper East Side condo, which allowed her the opportunity to sell this five-bedroom, four-and-a-half bath co-op at 1155 Park Avenue. Couric lived there for so many years following the death of her first husband and raised their two daughters in the place. Their new home is a pretty nifty 4,000-square-foot condo at 151 East 78th Street in a boutique-like building with only 13 other residents. Amid his plummet from the top of the entertainment world and his declaration of bankruptcy, Harvey Weinstein continues to shed pricey real estate. The last, the latest home to go is Weinstein's New York City townhouse at 13 Bank Street in the West Village, which he just sold for $25,629,000. The four-story Greenwich Village property spans more than 5,000 square feet and dates to 1852. It had been purchased by Weinstein through a trust in 2006 for $14.95 million. In January, Weinstein accepted a $10 million offer on his beach house in Amagansett in the Hamptons, which was originally listed for $17.5 million. Jeez, good God, these people. There have been speculations about a secret and very large settlement between Donald Trump Jr. and estranged wife Vanessa. After it was revealed, her mother bought the Fifth Avenue apartment from the former, the wife of the former Fox News boss, Roger Ailes, for $6.4 million in cash. Real estate sources have confirmed to page six that Vanessa's mom bought the apartment 14A at 1049 Fifth Avenue in September. We are told the apartment is undergo- undergoing an extensive renovation expected to run past the $1 million mark. Page six exclusively revealed last week that fed up Vanessa filed for divorce from Don Jr. after 12 years of marriage. And finally, news from La La Land pop powerhouse Mariah Carey is moving into a 10,337,000 10, square foot eight-bedroom home in Beverly Hills. California rent on the Hillside Mansion, once home to Nicki Minaj, is going for $37,000 a month. The Mediterranean-style mansion was built in 2008 on the site of a raised home that was once the home uh, to Frank Sinatra. Why not buy? You know, I'm not crying for that one. Isn't that something? $37,000 a month. How do you do that? Pocket change. Pocket change. Exactly. All right. Anyway, we have our two special guests from uh, Halstead from our Brooklyn office. Trish Martin joined Halstead Real Estate as Director of Sales of Brooklyn in the summer of 2011 and was recently promoted to Managing Director of Sales in Brooklyn. With more than 30 years real estate and management experience, she is responsible for the day-to-day operations of Halstead's seven 
Brooklyn offices in Brooklyn Heights, Cobble Hill, Park Slope, Borm Hill, and Bedford-Stuyve. Trish also spearheads Halstead Strategic Growth in the local area. She was previously a vice president and director uh, with Brown Harris Stevens uh, in Brooklyn and Manhattan for more than seven years. She was one of the few interborough brokers in the industry where she represented the growing numbers of residents migrating from, and this is what I want to get into a lot, between Manhattan and Brooklyn. In conjunction with her extensive background in managing international projects for high-profile firms, Trish brings a well-planned and thoughtful approach to the real estate arena. Also with us is Beth uh, Kungel, uh, Kugel, excuse Kugel. me, but Kugel, <laughs> when it comes to, <laughs> I can't see in here, when it comes to Brooklyn, Beth has the inside uh, edge. She knows the homes, businesses, schools, amenities, and most importantly, the people. Uh, Beth was born and raised in Manhattan and ultimately moved to Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn, where she has lived with her family for more than 25 years. As Senior Director of Sales and Leasing, Beth manages and mentors agents in Halstead 7 Brooklyn offices. Her can-do attitude and professionalism are her hallmark, and she inspires her agents to follow uh, Halstead's core principles of expertise, service, integrity, and passion, previously as an award-winning agent herself. So, welcome and good morning. Welcome. Good morning. It's great to have you guys. So, you know, we talk about Brooklyn a lot on this show for obvious reasons. It's 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 a place that is very well known around the world. It's a very, place very well known in New York City. But what has gone on there over the last, I'd say, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is an explosion uh, of of goodness. So what I want to get into a little bit is, you know, where we were, you know, back when I started in the business to where we are today, why it's so popular, and why everybody is thinking Brooklyn. So there are many reasons why Brooklyn is the bomb these days, as I said at the top of the show. First, the borough is next to America's real estate sun, which is Manhattan. Brooklyn benefits from its intimate connection with Manhattan's real estate. Williamsburg is an extension of the Lower East Side, you know, so to speak, thanks to the L train, which is going away. Second, Manhattan has gotten very crowded in the last 20 years, much more expensive and overrun by tourists. Third, Brooklyn is Brooklyn, the borough offers an amazing residential housing stock, a powerful self-identity and sense of place, an interconnectedness not found in the other boroughs, an explosion of things to do, a chill identity thanks to the folks who live and create there. I love that, a chill identity thanks to the people who live and, and, and work there and create there. Um, fourth, young people seem to prefer to hang out in Brooklyn. And fifth, and most important, Brooklyn offers people what they want now. So, kind of, let's kind of break down those facts. Let's let's start with you know the first one. You know, it's it's close to Manhattan, which is is like the god of New York City. Why 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 Brooklyn? Um, growing up in Manhattan, you know, going over to Brooklyn was like a kind of a big deal. And then all of a sudden, Brooklyn sort of started to develop this little cachet. And I think the idea of having all these green neighborhoods combined with the industrial edge to it was a real enticement for people to come over and the pricing originally. I think now that's changed because Brooklyn is probably like, I don't know, four or five times the size of Manhattan with so many diverse neighborhoods. It's kind of, it just has an appeal that is uh, is uh, enticing and uh, intoxicating. Beth, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember, I'm a 70s kid, okay, a 70s and an 80s kid and whatever, but I remember the days when... Um, friends that I knew from college days or whatever grew up in Brooklyn and the mass exodus from Brooklyn to Manhattan was like so strong. Everybody needed to, wanted to, had to leave Brooklyn to come to the city, right? Manhattan Absolutely. being the city. Most it, people wouldn't even leave Manhattan to go to Brooklyn. It was like, oh, I don't go there. <laughs> absolutely. And that was my point. So now it's been over the past several years, it's been amazing to watch 
people running back, not even going back, but running back to neighborhoods that were established in those days have gotten better. And then all of these new neighborhoods, which we'll talk about in a bit. So number two says Manhattan has gotten very crowded in the last 20 years, over expe- very expensive and overrun by tourists. So how does Brooklyn kind of stay away from that? Well, Brooklyn has always been a <coughs> borough of communities. And what separates Brooklyn from the rest of the boroughs is that we don't have major thoroughfares dividing any of our neighborhoods. So each neighborhood in Brooklyn kisses one another. And so when folks come from Manhattan, they can start out in Brooklyn Heights and end up in Gowanus and not even realize that they've changed neighborhoods if they've gone anywhere else. And for all of the emerging neighborhoods, it just becomes a little bit of a gentle push. And most of the neighborhoods that were emerging, I would say 10 years ago, when you reference back to when Brooklyn was sort of trying to um, resonate with the rest of the New York City real estate market. Hey, it's me, Brooklyn. I'm here. Look at me, right? Well, in a way, yes. And in a way, people were like, maybe don't come. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we like it the way it is. However, um, because of that, when people started coming out into Brooklyn and as each neighborhood became a little bit more unaffordable, people would push into the next neighborhood that kissed the one they originally looked at. But going back to the emerging neighborhoods, most of those that were considered emerging are now established. And for example, um, take bed Stuy, which I know is on our agenda to talk about today, it is not emerging. It is fully established. It is a destination. It has the hottest restaurants. It has the most culturally diverse community, I think. We're going to get to that in a minute, though, but but Trish, you're right. I mean, I remember, I think it was maybe two and a half years ago, I was showing townhouses in bed to someone who wanted to buy as an investment, but also to kind of live with her son there. And we were looking at these houses at four hundred and five hundred thousand dollars I mean, when I go back and look at some of the price tags today, and we'll get to that later when we get there, I, it's amazing to me when you say it's no longer beginning to establish, it really already is. Absolutely. And there's so much like more to that. It like kind of came up overnight. I mean, it was mm-hmm. coming, 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 and all of a sudden it was just there. Yeah. It seems like that to folks from outside the borough, but inside the borough, the whole bed movement started before we had that little hiccup that we uh, no one likes to talk about in the uh, mid-2000s. And, um, and it had a little bit of a pause, and then it hit, it hit its stride, and that's why it seems to everyone that it's just popped out, but it's been a long time. The third reason, as I read a little while ago, says Brooklyn is Brooklyn, okay? And I love that. Brooklyn is Brooklyn. And people around the world know Brooklyn is Brooklyn. It's a brand. It's a brand now. It's a brand. And it didn't and used it, to be. It used to be where your grandparents were from and you were never going back to. And I think now it's a place where uh, you're looking to go to because 100%. all young kids, their friends live there. All the art is there. All the interesting music is starting there, the clubs. And I think it just has a whole different kind of cachet. I also say? think, I was going to say, I also think being a millennial, um, <laughs> I, I think that, you know, millennials, <laughs> like millennials <laughs> really. <laughs> millennials have a, a, a view here. <laughs> Speak up, millennials. No, but the end, the end of the X generation into the millennial generation really, I think, made Brooklyn what it is. Like, I think that, you know, millennials love to be different. They, they don't want to do, you know, the main thing they like to go the you know road less traveled and i think that was brooklyn you know they especially like beth and i people who are from the city you know we didn't want to do the same thing that everyone else does like i remember you know growing up in and around this great 
place, um, everyone would grow up uptown and then you'd want to move downtown and then you'd want to move to Brooklyn. So I think that, you know, that just uh, that idea of being a little different and doing something that's more your own as opposed to what you knew is also which, a creative. Which is the sort of New York City history, right? I mean, it's like the the classic Upper East Side kids moved to the Upper West Side, then they moved to Soho in the 80s. Like, so if you look at the whole trajectory, it's like follow the artists, of course, but now it's follow the millennials, apparently. <laughs> and I think millennials oh love that that ability to not just live in their apartment, but to live outside of their apartment and in the community and bike and walk and shop local. It really resonates with them. And Brooklyn delivers and you know big what, that's on that. What I was going to say for me, my favorite thing about when I do crossover when it, and these days it's happening more and more and more often is as I'm coming out of the subway, I see sky and I hear birds and I can see green. And that's a rarity in Manhattan, you know? And so it's like, there's just this feeling of like a, a, a kind of a fresh breath and like, just like this calmness in Brooklyn that you don't find in, in Manhattan. I both have its pros and cons, but to me, I love the piece of it. Also, the micro neighborhoods that you have, each one of them has a very uh, definitive feel. So you can find find your place without having to really work that hard because, you know, Brooklyn Heights is for... Well, you can't say it because of fair housing. And, and I also, and I think no, you bring it's up the most established neighborhood, Brooklyn Heights. That was the first neighborhood that everybody went to over the bridge because it was Never. brownstone. It had greenery. It had the proximity. But there's like, there's and, such there's such distinct vibes that you kind of you 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 know beforehand where you want to be because of who else is there. And I also right, think wait, 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 so wait, much uh, hold it, hold it. We got to take a break. <laughs> Got a lot right. to save we have Stop. to leave it there, really take a break, it. but we will pick it up on the other side of the break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. 
If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back talking about Brooklyn today with Beth Kugel from Halstead, Trish Martin from Halstead, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from CORE, and Perul Brombeck from Compass. It's certainly not a bro show today. I, I have right? to say, I love this. I was just going to say, I love this female show. Yes. Come on, let's do this more often. Me, me too. It's yeah. not a bro show. All right, so we're, we're talking back about... Talking, before the break, we were talking about some of the things that some of the things that are highlighted about Brooklyn. So the housing stock, and they say a powerful self-identity with a strong sense of place. Th- these are the things that I really think about when I think about the whole of Brooklyn, but in, in in some cases, as you guys are talking about, certain neighborhoods more than others. So, what what is it about the 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 powerful self identity, Trish? Well, wait, hold on. I wanna I wanna say something that <laughs> Trish and Beth said. Really, I love this term that they use, the kissing term. That was Trish's. Yeah, I love <laughs> that kissing. because I I think that you know everyone always talks about how much they love downtown Manhattan because you can walk around and all the neighborhoods kiss each other, whereas uptown you have this big park in your way. So I, I will say I think that while all the neighborhoods in Brooklyn have an identity. I also think that, you know, that community feel is because the neighborhoods work together and everyone kind of mixes between I them. I like that big park is in the way. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Park. What's but the I, name of that's that? That's very yeah. well said. But I think that people, one of the things in Brooklyn, people are always identifying themselves. Oh, like I'm in I'm in Crown Heights or I'm in uh, Prospect Lefferts. No, I'm in Bed-Stuy. No, I'm a Bedwick now. The Bushwick and Bed-Stuy together. I don't live in one or the other. I haven't heard that one yet. All right, but so why? But so why? Why? Why are they so, you know, eccentric? Because Brooklyn proud. Because all of a sudden Brooklyn, and not all of a sudden, over time, I think that Brooklyn has really become a brand. And it used to be like the stepchild of Manhattan. People would be like, I can't afford Manhattan. And I moved to Brooklyn. And now it's like, uh, I chose Brooklyn. Because Brooklyn is kind of amazing, and Brooklyn yeah, has great food. Yeah, like you used food. to have to make the excuse of I couldn't afford Manhattan. Yeah. Now it's or I don't want to be yeah. in Manhattan. I right. got so yes. much more space, but now people can't afford Brooklyn, right. and we are helping them move to Manhattan, and it's very <laughs> yes, interesting. Like Upper it's East Side, not right? Upper East I know, Side. It's amazing. Who would have thought <laughs> that? Unusual. But but I thought, who would have thought that? You know, I think I was in Chicago about fifteen or sixteen years ago, and I went into Bloomingdale's, and they had a whole section about the size of the studio. And it was all Brooklyn. And I thought, so odd to be in Chicago and see all of this Brooklyn merchandise. And then my friend came back from Paris and she said, oh, you know, everyone there, if something's really hip and cool, they say, oh, it's so très Brooklyn, you know? You see that in L.A. as well. L.A. Yes. And so it resonates because Brooklyn is home to makers, to creators. Um, we have a very progressive um, attitude about how we support the creative arts as opposed to following them and then dismantling them and shifting them. And I think that that, because of the arts and because of the community that's been there forever, it's a beautiful marriage of, of, of people in Brooklyn that you don't find elsewhere. It's usually compartmentalized. And I think... Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and, and I think that not to label Brooklyn as a whole, since it is such a big place, yes. you know, I will say, I think your your term of progressive is really important. You know, I, when I travel and I go places like Austin or, you know, Portland or parts of LA like Venice, you know, you, uh, the first thing I'll say is this feels very Brooklyn. Like when I went yes. to Austin a few months ago, I was like, God, I <laughs> well, feel like so I'm in Williamsburg. Yeah. Like, it, 
like it feel like like there's the juice press, like there's the soul cycle. Like I felt like South Congress is very similar. And I think that that brand is really incredible what it's done. Trish, I think you said before, young people uh, seem to prefer to hang out in Brooklyn. So what, you know, why or why is it different than hanging out in, in Manhattan or the Lower East Side or the East Village where I'd say lots of millennial people are. But it's true that a lot of young folks are migrating to Brooklyn because they find it more fun to hang out Williamsburg, for example. I, I would say um, that my view is that because so much of what's happening and where people are going in Brooklyn is new and is is coming up in out of the millennials and out of people who are creative and thinking differently and have an opportunity to not have to conform to what the neighborhood wants it to be and they can create their own space. I think they feel very comfortable. I think when you come to Brooklyn and you're hanging out and you're going out, you're looking for exposure to something new, to something different, a different experience, a different approach. And that is so readily available in almost every neighborhood in Brooklyn. And I think that's why people come. I think that um, the the restaurants and and the majority of the establishments there are just very authentic. Like mm-hmm. an example that I can Absolutely. give, great, uh, the example that I can give is taking my kids bowling. I can go to, I used to take them to Baltimore because it was right there. Mm-hmm. And then I discovered Brooklyn Bowl. Uh-huh. Yes. And, and, I, and the world changed. The world changed. You don't even need to bowl in Brooklyn Bowl <laughs> to have an incredible time. And it's not even because it's, it's cool right. and there's shows and there's music and there's lights where my kids can just like run around and enjoy themselves, but it's just like the the actual physical establishment is just, it's kind of raw and it's kind of, it's got a heart to it where it's not like Lucky Strike. Well, here the rents have gotten so high in terms of retail, commercial, restaurant spaces Uh that, um, you know, you walk down the street in Manhattan these days and it's like a retail graveyard, right? Like you just see empty Mm. storefronts. In fact, I just read in the last couple of days that there's talk of charging a commercial a retail owners uh, for empty spaces like a penalty because a lot of them keep them that way instead of taking a lesser rent because it's a write-off, right? So so there's a lot of that going on here, whereas you walk down Brooklyn and it's just like there's just so much life and it feels like what Manhattan was like 15, 20 years ago. I, think. I also think okay. like doing that different thing is still the, I guess, trend, you know, especially with the millennials. I mean, everyone can say, oh, I've been to the Jane Hotel, like I've been to Soho House. I've been to all these places that are in the city, but then they get bored at a certain point. Yeah. And you think, you know, oh, now people go to the William Vale, you know, the um, I'm trying to think Nighthawk was really the creator mm-hmm. of like, you know, doing something in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so people want to go to something that's different, but also something that's, I guess, not relatable, but something that they know. Like, I know that Chichoni's just opened in Dumbo, and that's a mm. big Miami thing. Uh-huh. So it definitely, it's kind of the, you know, place for restaurantors to be. Of course, as usual. Right, moving, Matt- on, oh. we're moving on. As of April, <laughs> oh, man. As of April 2019, the shutdown of the L train looms closer. North Brooklyn rents continue to decline according to the February 2008 market report. The report's rent index for North Brooklyn, which includes neighborhoods served by the L train, such as Williamsburg, the, the biggest probably, and Greenpoint, dropped for the seven consecutive months to $3,027 a month, meaning that February rents were 0.6% lower than last year. Home sale prices in North Brooklyn remain strong, however. The Street Easy price index rose 3.3% year over year to $1,104,000, but the amount of time for sale homes spent on the market in North Brooklyn increased by 34 days to a median of over 108 days on the market. 
North Brooklyn homes took longer to sell than those in any other Brooklyn su- uh, submarket in, in February. So my question to you guys is what's up with the L train and what will happen when it finally shuts down? Because they say it'll be down for a little bit of time, but we know we're going to be down for a very long period of time. I think people are going to have to rely on the ferries. I think people, you see, uh, there's more and more city bikes around. I think that people are going to obviously have to deal with buses, but I definitely think it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. But I, uh, fortunately, so many of our neighborhoods intersect, like we're saying, and are KISS. And there's an opportunity so that if you might be two minutes away from the L train, you're 10 minutes away from the G train, or maybe you're close to the J train. And this is... But, 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 but... When I think of like my my commute every day, if mm-hmm. I were living, say, in Williamsburg, and my my ease of commute would be on the L train, and I'm doing I'm doing this for years. I own a condo which I bought, you know, X amount of years ago, and it's worth you know a million dollars, a million and a half dollars. So, is there concern with people who live in these very many condos that paid good money, had a fairly easy commute? Do they concern themselves with the fact that it's going to change? But there's sort of like an unknown as to when it may go back to normal levels of day-to-day activity? So I'm sure I'm not the only one at the table that remembers when the L was a big unknown before they shut it down to fix it and you just never knew when it was coming and you only took it under protest, you know, like, all right, I'll take the L. Um, And it turned into a very vibrant subway system. But um, Brooklynites are nothing if not resilient. And with Via Mm -hmm. and with Lyft and with Uber and with pooling and with ride sharing, I don't think that Williamsburg is going to go down that road of, oh, my God, there's no transportation. Because look at a neighborhood like Red Hook. Talk about no transportation. And that's a vibrant neighborhood. And people get everywhere they need to go. So I think that, as Beth said, there will be the ferry. You know, you can take a city bike and get to the G train. I think the G train is the most underrated train. I love that train. And I take it quite often. Like how the L was. It connects through. It was a double L. What I was going to say is I've done a few (laughs) deals in Williamsburg in the last year. Mm -hmm. And what I find is these are people who love Williamsburg, will not leave it no matter what. So the resilient bit, I mean, I've personally seen it in an astounding way. I was so surprised. Um, I had a a listing that I had one, one open house over 60 people. I underpriced it deliberately knowing mm-hmm. that this is sort of how this was going to work out um, and ended up having eight bids after one open house. So really, I mean, if that's an, any indicator of how much people are willing to live and pay up to live in Williamsburg. Brooklyn's gritty and people like that. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a really appealing part <laughs> of... People just do not... Yeah, people I do. Love I think they do not want to leave it. It's part of the attraction. It, it is. It is I, definitely I will part say of the that attraction. I think, I think that there's kind of an interesting road ahead for Williamsburg mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. For the sure. the... The, the pull of it, the draw of it, is that it is close to Manhattan. So that part of it, you know, the the main way that people would have considered going to Manhattan is shutting down. But whereas, like, in Red Hook, you're going there knowing what you're getting. Mm-hmm. In Williamsburg, I almost think buy there during that time. Exactly. Because so, you might get a little bit of a break, and then it's only going to get better pres- once it's back. That's precisely that's, what uh, I wanted right. to ask you There's like a big evolution actually. coming. Yeah, yes. like, would, do you, uh, here's my guess, is that when the L train officially does close down, maybe there will be like a 5 to 10% dip in prices in Williamsburg. I think that that's probably all that's going to happen. I agree. And then it's going to mm-hmm. kind I of totally pop agree. back up. Absolutely. But Stronger than ever. But it's going to be a great time mm-hmm. to buy. It's yeah. a great time it's to gonna buy It's going to be back before we know it. 
Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And you'll reap the reward once the I think it's funny. We were just up. talking about Absolutely. the Upper East Side and saying that it used to be growing up, it was the most expensive place, the most mm-hmm. desirable place, Murray Hill. And those are two places that we say, hey, if you can't afford Brooklyn, you can go to Murray Hill. <laughs> <or the Upper East. laughs> and, and isn't that something? Because all of a sudden, that's another neighborhood. When I first was in real estate, it was very expensive, exactly. as you say, Beth. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, because people got tired of the lack of transportation, the neighborhoods kind of got and quiet. No subway. And no subway. No subway. And it went kind of went down and it became came one of the least expensive places. Now with the Second Avenue train, and that was threatened for what twenty years? We heard that threat. I wanted to to add just one comment, which is one thing we haven't touched upon, which is Brooklynites don't really leave Brooklyn that often. They work there, they eat there, they shop there. We have our own chain stores in Brooklyn that you find from neighborhood to neighborhood, and so I don't know that it's really that much of a big deal. And I agree with you that that people who are in Williamsburg only want to be in also, the way people, and they will endure. The way right. people work has changed. So people work from home a lot, many hours, right. many days at that, home. That's a big so That also I, changes and shifts. I think that's, that, 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 that's a big All right, We've got to leave it there. We're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. Oh, okay. This is Good Morning New York. We will continue on the other side of the break. Please don't go away. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Helen Hillix, Todd Benton, and Chris Reeves. Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back and we're talking to Anna Shagalov from Halstead Real Estate, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Perul Brombat from Compass, Beth Kugel from Halstead, and Trish Martin from Halstead, Managing Directors of Sales out in our Brooklyn offices. Okay, it's not a stretch to say that Brooklyn Heights may be the New York City real estate equivalent of having it all. And I have to say, I'm old enough in this business to, old enough in general, to understand the differences of all the neighborhoods. <laughs> Brooklyn Heights has always been my favorite. A single subway or ferry stop from Manhattan, the polished, peaceful neighborhood is awash with historical beauty. My God, it is. Leafy brownstone blocks, postcard views, solid schools, really some some of the better schools in the borough in, in Brooklyn Heights. 
Uh, location, location, location. The affluent neighborhood draws first-time buyers, young professionals working in Manhattan, parents who appreciate the, the good schools, and the small-time vibe. So before we talked about the other neighborhoods, the most well-established Brooklyn Heights, what is it about the Heights that everybody just goes crazy about? Well, wait, before BK Heights, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think that, I think that one thing that people out there want to hear, especially agents in the business who are you know, not as established, I think that it's important, not that I do a lot of rentals, I think it's important to talk about the rental market in Williamsburg and in areas that might be affected by the L train. I think we just talked about sales a lot. I do. I, I get very nervous personally about the rental market there. I think that if yeah. you know they're saying the L train is going to take 19 months, apparently um, that changes every day. So who knows? But I, I, I get nervous more about just landlords. You know, we're already in a tough rental market, and I don't really see that changing much in the next few years with so much inventory. So you know, if I would say if you're a landlord, obviously be very careful. Um, you know, but at the same time, I think it also gives just like any downfall in the market ever. I think it also gives wave to opportunity. So, okay. Brooklyn Heights. <laughs> oh, okay. <Moonstruck>. We, <laughs> we won't talk about rentals, but we might later yeah. after the show. I know. I'm going to say that put that, 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 that movie like that put Brooklyn Heights on the map for people who maybe never heard of it. And they saw a neighborhood that was beautiful and elegant and gritty and had this charm and personality and love and the moon and all those things. And it's so much more than that. I mean, yeah. there's so much more than you can that. You actually but, see the sky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> La Luna. But I mean, you can just see the sky. And I think that you're sitting there across from the promenade. You've got playgrounds. You've got great private schools. You've got now up and coming uh, public schools for sure. But you've got Again, neighborhood and community. And I think there are people who've lived there and lived in Brooklyn Heights forever. Mm -hmm. And it was the first neighborhood that was established. And the brownstones there are also huge. And they're kind of majestic. Yeah. I mean, they're almost storybook the way they look. They Zoning are, prohibits and, the high rises. So exactly, it's always going to exactly. be that And way. the views, you know, of the water. And, you know, in some sections, they were just so beautiful. But, but again, you know, talking about the older established, you know, again, I'm old enough to remember the film <laughs> Saturday yes. Night Fever. Just a number. Yes. Just a number. Yes. Bay Ridge, really right? I remember that film. Bay Ridge or Bensonhurst? Bay, Bay Ridge. I feel right. so discriminated against. A resident millennial saw it in the second Yeah, time. I feel so discriminated against. I still like walk down the sidewalk sometimes. I'm not sure he saw it in the second. I totally do. I know it. I'm proud to finally say I am young enough not to have seen that the first time around. So, you know, let's not forget that Brooklyn Heights is quite possibly the most expensive neighborhood in Brooklyn. That's so when you're talking about first-time buyers, you're not talking about your typical first-time buyer. And a first-time buyer who really wants to live in Brooklyn Heights and, and is looking at other neighborhoods, you know, a traditional first-time buyer with not the wherewithal for a two-bedroom, a classic six or a brownstone, is looking at a studio, maybe a small mm -hmm. one-bedroom. And believe it or not, there are a wealth of buildings mm -hmm. in Brooklyn Heights that offer the opportunity to live there. Um, and I know people who have lived there in studios as a couple. They ha I know one particular for 30-something so years. What? For 30-something years, quite happily. And it's not a very but, big one, but it's a it's a lovely home, right. and they're very happy but living there. Because they're the out and about. They yes. don't, stay, they don't right. spend any time. Well, the, transportation, the transportation cannot be beat in Brooklyn Heights. Mm -hmm. Virtually every train, but I think the queue goes there. Let's So let's compare and contrast, let's say, to, to listen, Brooklyn Heights, I agree with what you just said, but Dumbo, Borm Hill, and Cobble Hill. I mean, these are also very well-established very kind of, you know, upscale neighborhoods. Cobble Hill happens to be one of my favorites. Although yeah, I do. Wait, wait. But how did those three get picked Brooklyn out? Heights. It, 
if you talk about Vince the same yeah. thing, Vince go back doing to the same. Research. I'm just wondering how is the, how did how those three come out? Because <laughs> you you didn't include Carol Gardens. That's another. It's one. the next one. Yeah. We're getting there. We're we're getting there. So Why are we just I'm those three? Yeah. I'm just we're getting there I'm, slowly. I'm yeah. feeling very attacked. So tell me about Cobble Hill. Tell me about you know. Um, Dumbo's sort of different, but Borm Hill and Cobble Hill-ish, Gowanus, right? They're all sort of they're, kissing they're, neighborhoods, they're as you all kissing, say? They're kissing, but they're each very they're different, different from one yeah. of the other. And um, Cobble Hill um, is actually where we first moved when I came to Brooklyn, right. and I was a little bratty teenager, and I insisted to my mother that I would not live in, <laughs> in one of these houses without a lawn. Um, and, and, and I will say, after three months here, I decided to raise my children, which I have done, and never leave Brooklyn, which I have not done. However, um, Cobble Hill is like a, a suburb of Brooklyn Heights, in my opinion. If you had an urban equivalent mm-hmm, of what mm-hmm. a, a bedroom neighborhood That's would how be. I consider Carol Gardens yep. is also. Right. Yeah. Brooklyn mm-hmm. Heights is, I agree. is yeah. very elegant and, and wonderful, but it doesn't have that same kind of local street life where people are meandering and bumping into one another. Right. And it really, people fall in love with that. They love that energy. Do you think it's because Brooklyn Heights is closer to Manhattan, so it's got that Manhattan vibe versus Cobble no, Hill being a the little courts. further? I think you have the courts and you have a whole commercial um, thoroughfare, which is very different. I mean, when I was selling, I would say to people, the thing about Cobble Hill is you walk down the street and you're going to see the same people walking their dog, walking their baby, going to the store, and people will know you. And I would joke with my children, you're not going to wear a bike helmet, they'll see you. <laughs> Someone so-and-so will they'll know, tell they'll you. tell on you <laughs> right. that right. if you're going down the street because yeah. everybody knows you. So it's but that kind of community. Everybody knows your name. I don't remember exactly. where it comes from, yes. but everybody Cheers. knows your name. <laughs> Thank you. But I think um, Brooklyn Heights is a more <laughs> private neighborhood. People that live there tend to be... A little. They don't live on outside of their. Are they homes more as affluent? Much? Maybe you know yes. because there are a lot more co-ops yeah. there and classic sixes, as one as you said. You know, bigger apartment like we have here in Manhattan. So I think maybe they're a little more affluent, and maybe they don't want to you know socialize as much as the neighborhoods of Cobble Hill or Carroll Gardens or you know brownstones are a lot of single family homes Correct. there too. Correct. So yeah. Although the housing stock in in those neighborhoods, especially the brownstones, are gorgeous. I think I got confused because I I find that Dumbo is very different from those neighborhoods. Like I find that Dumbo, like Dumbo is, I would would almost replace Dumbo with Park Slope because I find Park Slope, Mm. Brooklyn Heights, Cobble Hill, Caragons to be very similar. And then almost Dumbo and even Borum Hill, like, yes, you have Borum Hill that's on the, I'm trying to think that's on the south side of Atlantic. That's very townhouse driven, but then on Atlantic and North, like towards Fort Greene, it's very, you know, urban, like very, like many high rises. You have the Brooklyn Academy of Music. We all have so much to say that (laughs) Trish is actually raising her hand (laughs) on the radio show. (laughs) Trish? That's gone, Trish. I I wanted to say that um, a lot of it, I can't help myself. I just don't want to butt in because I'm I'm good at that too. It's not Jeopardy. It's not Jeopardy. Butt in, we all do. But I wanted to say that a lot of the Hollywood glitterati that moved to Brooklyn, mm. moved to Cobble Hill, mm-hmm. moved to Borough Hill, moved to Park Slope because they can live their life without being accosted, without, with just being another person. Talk a little bit about Park Slope because I know you live there in the South Slope, but I mean, Park Slope is, you know, some people think it's so far away. It's so it's distanced from every place else. It really isn't, well, but it's also very 
I think, unique and very special in, in so many different ways. It isn't that distant if, distant if you're in the North Slope because you have the Q and right. the 2 and the 3 and well, the that, 4 and the yeah. 5, and it's a very fast commute. I have lived and, lived and died by the F train as long as I've love ever lived in Portland. And I love the F train. What? The F's yeah, the worst train in the city. Yeah. Always yeah. out. Kidding? No, always I out. Oh my God. From my front door and we have our corner over here. We're sticking to this. F is tougher on the weekends, but it is great otherwise. It is a great train. So Park Parks, going back to Park Slope, you know, there are three separate sort of sections of Park Slope. North Slope, Prime Slope, South Slope. And they each have their own distinct personality. But it's so popular because it's so close to the park. Correct. It offers a ton of different housing the options. The park is beautiful. You can find almost whatever you want in some neighborhood in Park Slope, in one of those three sections. I love 550 Vanderbilt. I just have to give a little shout Prospect out to that Heights. building. That's Prospect Heights. Prospect Heights. Right, right, uh-huh. yeah, Everyone but I absolutely that love that building. And I think that Me too. the train, the proximity, et cetera, like, I think that's a very special. It reminds me of the Caledonia when it first came up mm-hmm. in Manhattan. It's mm-hmm. like the same sort of feel to it. All right. Let's talk about the bird neighborhoods. I mean, they're not so burgeoning anymore, but, you know, Bushwick, Crown Heights, Bed-Stuy. I mean, where do we go from here? Crown Heights is still burgeoning. Yeah, I was going to say, I still find, like, I I always say to people, you know, I stick out like a sore thumb sometimes, so I always like to say to people who are moving to New (laughs) York or who are in New York, thank you, (laughs) walking down the sidewalk, banging the music, Um, but I never feel unsafe anywhere in New York City unless there's no one around. And, you know, I can go to the deepest part of certain bad neighborhoods and never feel bad. But I That's will say that... grew up in cr- Manhattan. Exactly. We, we have a thicker skin. <laughs> but... I will hey, say hey, that hey. Crown Heights, <laughs> Crown Heights has a, a little ways to go. Like when you get to that eastern part of Prospect Park, and it's you know it's not kissing as we like to say, um, you know Prospect Heights. I do find it a little um, tipsy, turny. Um, at the same time, places like Bedside and Bushwick are very different. Like I, I think that you know I have clients that I helped buy in Bushwick uh, last year. I have clients I helped buy in Bedside a few months ago. Like I think that with the Jay Z and you you know, the M train being there, it's really incredible what you can get over there. I was going to say, people used to talk about Brooklyn to be and call it very fortressy. And I think that that term you don't hear as much anymore because I think those neighborhoods are so close and I think there has been so much movement and neighborhoods like Bushwick where people were like, where's Bushwick and how do you get there? After Williamsburg, where you're priced out of Williamsburg, I, that's the next neighborhood to go. And it's been always a very gritty and a very industrial neighborhood. But there are places like Roberta's Pizza and stuff mm-hmm. that sort of established something off the grid. And then people came. All right. So people, and I want to ask you to this specifically because you've spent so many time there, so much yeah. time there. But so as these neighborhoods change and as these neighborhoods progress, and we have been in progression for, for a long time now, you know, people ask me all the time, so where do the locals who have been there forever, where do they go? I mean, we had the same problem in some cases still do in Manhattan, but where do all the people who lived in, in Bushwick and Crown Heights and Bed-Stuy and, and whatever all these years, where do they go? I mean, what becomes of the locals of those areas? I'm actually so glad that you asked that question because it, it really calls to my heart because you know, people are flocking to New York City and to Brooklyn because of what was there before they got there, mm-hmm. not because of what they're going to change it to, and they put their special touch on it. 
in my opinion, Bed-Stuy is a beautiful example of the existing residents and the new residents creating a new community together. And so the longtime re- residents benefit from it and, and enjoy it. Um, but, you know, where do they go? In Bushwick, there was a uh, not-for-profit, uh, of which I was on the board for a short time before it folded into another one called Tops for You. And she worked, we worked with minority women, helping them become licensed, helping them manage their money, helping them be able to buy the homes that they lived in. So from my opinion, if someone owns a home, they're in pretty good shape. If they don't, it's tough. And then they they shift to the kissing neighborhoods. And one of the most beautiful things about our borough in Brooklyn is that you can keep pushing out and still have access to subways right. and still get to where you need to go and find affordability. What happens in 15 or 20 years, I don't know, but the abundance of rentals, which you addressed and has had an impact on the overall rental market, is kind of a benefit for right. some of those. And we, have also, ta- we have to take a break, but I just want to you know, point out before we, we close the Brooklyn subject, the kissing neighborhoods is something that I'm really going to remember because I've never thought about it that, that way, but it's really mm-hmm. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And and somebody here said for earlier- too. The yeah. heart, you know, Brooklyn is, I have always described Brooklyn as heart because yes. there's such heart and there's such character and there's such charm and love in that borough. We have to take a break. We're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Anna Shagalov, Matthew Cohen, Earl Brombat, Beth Kugel, and Trish Martin. Boy, that's a big one today. All right. So it's like Kugel. Huh? Like, it's like the Kugel. food. Like Kugel. Yes. Kugel. Yeah. I love me some Kugel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I love me some Kugel, too. Oh, <laughs> We're all hungry at 9 o'clock in the morning. All right. Let's move on. So for, for serious apartment shoppers, open houses can be as intense as sports competitions. In some cases, there are only so many houses on the market uh, at specific price ranges, and there are an abundance of buyers that they compete with. So how should your buyers conduct themselves during what we call an intense drill? I mean, because sometimes the market is a little more quiet than others, but sometimes it's madness. Yeah. And we just came out of March madness. So I can just imagine some people get totally intimidated by the process of buying in a crazy Mm. spring market. Right. I like to tell people to kind of stay in their own bubble because you can get so overwhelmed and so intimidated by 20 other people being in a two-bedroom at the same time as you and everyone's buzzing and talking about, you know, what what they would do with it and, you know, how whether they like it or don't or whatever it is. You can't – it's like you can't compare your kids to other kids. You can't compare – your feelings and your thoughts to mm-hmm. other people's feelings and thoughts I think stick within true. your budget. Mm-hmm. If, if you lose it, something else will come up. No one buys anything they hate, right? So at some point, you just got to keep moving. And But I think it takes it time for people to get over the first time. That's why time they need a broker they... to help them through yes. it. And a good, yes. and a good broker. <laughs> but if they say, broker. I love your bubble thing. But uh-huh. if they say, like, I do like when buyers, especially in the beginning, go to open houses themselves. I think it's good for them to have yeah, their own space. Sure. Like, they, they think themselves. They don't have someone talking into their mind. Um, but, you know, especially in the spring selling season, stay in that bubble. Like yeah. Anna said, I think it's also important just to, I, I always tell my clients, I'm like, we're, you know, most likely the the listings you're going to look at are other top agents that I know. We all know each other. We've mm-hmm. all worked Absolutely. with each other. We've been in this yeah. business long enough. So like any info that you need, I will get you. Right. So just feel free to do your own thing. And not only that, I think what's really important is that Abraham Lincoln quote, I think it is, is that, you know, if somebody gave me six hours or whatever to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first four just sharpening my axe. Like, I think preparing. I love that. Yeah. Prepare- that. Oh. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm paraphrasing. I probably got the hours wrong. But <laughs> <laughs> we like it. We like it. We like it. We like it. Yeah. Yeah. But I really think that preparing our buyers and sellers um, before they even step out um, is one of the most important things to do, as Anne was saying. Um, it's just a matter of um, I, with my buyers specifically, uh, the one thing that this is for other younger brokers out there, what I really advise my buyers to do is keep looking and figuring out what you want with just ease, like do it with ease, make it fun, like grab, you know, I, I call it an app hop, like grab an appetizer, grab a drink on the way I plan it into our tours, you know, just so it's like, it's easy. It's fun. Totally agree. And then I say, but if you love something, don't get intimidated mm-hmm. and then move quickly. Exactly. So totally agree. I'm not Gotta trying to rush your process, but once you get to a place where it seems that you understand what's going on and you love something, don't hesitate because somebody but else I, will but pull I, the But I think, I think we would all agree at this table that I 1000% agree with you, but I think we all agree that in order to get your buyer to that point, they have to trust you and Absolutely. like you. 
and Absolutely. feel very comfortable yeah, you have with to you. have a relationship for sure. Yes. A very for strong sure. relationship because sure. if you need to push them to do something that's right for them, they need to know that and it's coming from days. a place of, of and trust. Remember, I have to say that there's a lot of what's going on in the in the marketplace is a lot of buyers because there's information on the internet increasingly think they can manage yes. the process themselves and that is to their advantage. And I repeatedly tell them what Matt did, which is, most of the top brokers, we all know each other. We all respect each other. We see this business as a long-term trajectory. The problem is there's, there's a lot of not top brokers. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. There's that Good too. There's but that. I, I, I love what Pearl said because I think, you know, and one of the best ways to have trust with your clients is mm-hmm. to speak from experience. I never, I, I always, whenever I'm speaking to clients, I'm not speaking from personal opinion. I'm speaking from experience. Mm-hmm. And in experience, I always say, you know, be, be relaxed, you know, be excited about what you're doing. You're buying an apartment's a huge step. It's a very exciting step. Mm-hmm. But know that most buyers in the history of Manhattan usually love one of the first five apartments that they see. And if oh, they yes. don't and take they it, they like always go yeah. back right. to it. Yep. Right. So, uh, so I always say, like, if you see 10 apartments... I'd be shocked if you didn't love one of them. And if you love one of them, you're probably going to go for that. Or you're going to lose it because you're not educated enough. Right. Right. Because very often the first apartment should have been the eighth. Because that's the one that you love. And you're afraid that it's gone if you leave it. That's such a good one. Exactly. The first apartment should have been the eighth. Which I tend to do that. I watch what they like first showing. Do you remember what they like the first showing? And then the second one, I deliberate, well, the ones I know that they're going to like, I stack them to the back Mm -hmm. so that by the time they get around to that, they're really getting to the place of being open to being able to make a decision. I have more information. Anna, what do we remember? Do you, you, thank you, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the old school mentality of buyers coming into an open house or a showing and putting on that front that they don't like it because they don't want to give, you know, Mm. put all their cards on the table. It's people still do that. And it's so, (laughs) it's so counterproductive. Like this isn't poker. Because (laughs) if they, if they're, if they're going to be the people that end up getting this apartment and you're the broker or even the seller and you're talking about, well, they're, they were kind of difficult. They didn't seem really that interested. (laughs) And then somebody else is like, I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm running a, I'm writing a letter to the landlords so that, you know, I'm $5,000 under, but this is how much I love it. You're going to go with the person that isn't so put off or trying of to play that game. All right, moving on. Last topic of the of the morning. The Federal Reserve voted to raise short-term interest rates last week by a quarter of a percent, citing a strong economy and signal more hikes <laughs> on the horizon this year. So interest rates, mortgage interest rates are climbing. And we talked about this a week or two ago. You know, are we going to get to four or five percent, uh, six percent? What? Go ahead. So people always ask two questions, right? Yeah. Now is now a good time to buy New York City real yes, estate, and yes. it's like the, there's never a better time yes. than the present because prices are always escalating. And um, in terms of the interest rates, if they're going up, they're not going down. They're only going to go up. So if you're in the market to buy, do it. You can always refinance if they go back down. But if you wait, the prices go up and the and rates go up. And by and the your way, buying power there's always going to be down. a hindsight feeling of something. And you know, and, and recently, I, I think this will be a really interesting spring selling season, you know, April and May, mm-hmm. because 
rates have actually dipped a little bit. So, you know, not only have rates dipped, but the market is a little in the middle of a seller's and a buyer's market mm-hmm. as well. So Our I think you're going to see a lot of, I, I know, I think it's going to be really interesting for buyers out there who trust their brokers and who are confident about the world, especially given that the fact that the stock market has been going down in the last mm-hmm. few weeks, so, you know, but look let's, at Tesla but, but alone. Let's, agree, but let's, let's all agree, though, that the interest rates, even at 5%, we are still historically great. Well, my Numbers, first right? mortgage was 17 and three quarter percent. I'm right and with you. I that remember deal, right? getting yeah. resistance <laughs> from people like you're crazy. And I said, I can always change the interest rate. I can never change the price of this. Right. I'm going to leave this with a quote, actually, a Nikki Fields quote that says, she says, anytime somebody asks her, when should I buy in Manhattan? She says 10 years ago. Yes. All right. On that, <laughs> yeah. there you go. I agree with that. All right. On that note, we're out of two time. That's it for, for me. <laughs> that is our show for today. Thanks to Beth and Trish for being here and the panel, of course, as always. They don't speak a lot, do they? <laughs> Until next time, be kind to one another. This was not a bro show. I love it. Be uh, For all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us. And I will see you again next time. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. 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 Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Get started with your idea. Call for free information. Call 1-800-461-3178. That's 1-800-461-3178. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows. This week's featured guests. 